Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roar. My name is Sam Spellman, and today on the podcast, we're going to get into some really, really cool stuff. I think we're going to have a great conversation, and uh, I could just go the whole time saying one word and then waiting for a response, but that would be a pretty short conversation, barring that I can't hear you unless you feel the need to write a review or get in the description of the podcast and see the different ways that you can get in contact with me. You can email me. There's a website which has contact information as well as the social medias for the ministry is all in the description. And then this conversation can be so much more, so much more. No, (laughs) thank you everyone who's listening to this show. Again, my name is Sam Spellman. The show is called Roar. This is your first time listening in. Um, This show is just all about revealing our amazing Redeemer and that just means we're going to get into the Word, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to get into Scripture, and we're going to let it speak to us and let it reveal aspects of who Christ is. Because just like any relationship, over time, different aspects of that person can kind of come to light and be known, and people are growing. And so there's some things that we can discover and that the Lord can lead us in as you know time progresses and as we spend time in the Word, different things about who Christ really is. Um, are revealed to us, and that changes a whole lot in our lives, or at least it should change some things in our lives. So yeah, that's uh, that's the fun little introduction I have for today. I want to continue. Last week I was in uh, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to stay in Philippians chapter 2, but I'm going to continue down a few more verses. Um, so I'm going to start actually around verse 12. Uh, last week I got into like first like four or five, six verses. I didn't didn't get very far into it, but today I want to kind of start where the next subheading is and just start reading it, and we're going to see where it goes from there. So without further ado, my phone is buzzing because this is a live, this is a live podcast. This is a live recording. Real life is happening. If you're listening to this, you're probably, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're driving to work, driving home from work, working out, um, you know, or you're just sitting on your couch or in your you know, massive bean bag recliner. I mean, I don't know what you got going on, but life happens. So I do apologize about my phone buzzing. I just put it on silent. So let's get into this. Philippians chapter two, verse 12 says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will or to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Well, there's a whole lot packed into them few verses. So starting with the very beginning of it, this is really awesome. The word beloved goes in. So there's this very affectionate conversation that Paul is having, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. This is a, you know, this is a very, um, it's more of an intimate word. You don't just walk up to strangers and say, hey, what's up, beloved? You know, this is a very, you know, this is, these are people that we're in relationship with, and that is a very clear sign even of how our relationship with our pastors should be. You know, the people and the apostles, the people over the works or your local fellowship, 
that kind of relationship is possible and is actually structured in the Bible that we should have a close relationship with the one who is, you know, maybe ministering on Sunday or someone, you know, on the leadership team. Obviously, there's a lot of different structures in America of how people do church and do groups and home groups and churches and all those different things. But relationship is very important. Um, no matter how you choose to structure, everything is built upon relationship. Um, and I've talked about this before, but that's the thing that sets us apart from everything else in creation. That is a very clear aspect of who God is that we've inherited when we were made in his image, is that ability to have relationship, to share thoughts and dreams through language. Um, those are very clear gifts um, and very clear markers of who God is. So if relationship is not healthy in our lives, then that's a very clear aspect of God that that he wants to invade, he wants to get involved in, and he wants that to be healthy. So very clear right off the bat, relationship is prioritized. Do you see this very intimate conversation? He's not just speaking broad general statements, but in this, this is a very personalized letter. So whenever we're reading this, understand that what is the circumstances of the Church of Philippi as we read this? Because sometimes we can hear different things, um, and it can be interpreted and it can be twisted differently because, again, these were letters written. Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth. Ephesians was the church in Ephesus. Colossians was the church in Colossae. So these were different cities and different gatherings of believers, each city had different cultural aspects that it was dealing with, different political aspects it was dealing with. You know, it's like if you were writing letters to someone in New York versus Texas, there's probably going to be just a little bit different social issues. You know, the norm there is going to be a little bit different. You're talking with a, a Northeast type of culture versus a very Southern culture. You know, not to mention a lot in Texas, there's a lot of Latin culture that's down there too that's totally different. So you, you've got a lot coming into play here whenever things are being discussed. So understanding that when we read and allowing that to just be as is can even help to not misinterpret uh, Scripture and not read it with just the head knowledge, but we can read it from our heart and with our spirit, and that can kind of help clean up some things. So I encourage you to to look into that. That's worth a little bit of study to just understand kind of the the structure of the church at that time. And often, if you look in your Bible, typically, um, well, typically, a lot of Bibles have like a little dissertation, a little, um, you know, breakdown of, you know, what this letter is and, you know, the translators go through and kind of give you a general overview. So that way you kind of got a little bit of that background knowledge. So I do encourage you to look into that. It says this, as you have always obeyed, again in verse 12, therefore my beloved, intimate language here, as you have always obeyed. So right right after you know right after that he goes into obedience being a very heavy, you know, moment here. So now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's talking about obeying in the presence when there's someone there is different. But are we going to obey when no one's around? That goes into character and integrity and some of these things he he begins to hit and address here. So that obedience, again, is not just whenever the minister's there or the conference is going on, but are we going to be able to obey whenever we go back home? Because that's when the real test starts happening. And again, not that it's just test after test, but that's whenever things are proved genuine. In your relationship, things are proved genuine when you're not just around that person. 
Or whenever you, you go out in public and someone starts bad-mouthing that person, how are you going to react? That's when the real proof of the friendship, of the trust, of the, you know, the integrity of that is actually put to, to use and is actually proven to be true or false. So that obedience is, is an aspect of relationship, not just obey the rule, but are you trustworthy in the relationship? So now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Again, that integral trusting relationship. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. So there's a very clear aspect of humility there. There's this very uh, submitted position where you're you're not high and mighty, but you're working things out. You're working this relationship out with humility, with fear, and with trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasures. Now that verse right there is just a pocket of truth. That is one of my favorite Bible verses because, you know, you read the word and it says God is the alpha and the omega. It talks about him being the beginning and the end. Um, in Revelation 1, I'm the first and the last whenever John sees Jesus and he's manifesting, you know, and he's having this open vision on the island of Patmos. It's like, oh, you know, what's going on? And he says, I'm the first, the last, you know. Well, what does that mean? Well, this verse confirms that. For it's God who works in you. In other words, it's God who starts the desire, plants the, the desire in your heart. And he also both to will and to work, in other words, or to finish his good pleasure. So God not only is at the beginning of your story, but he's at the end of your story. He's not only started your life, but he intends completely to help you finish it and complete it in a good, healthy, perfect place. You know, and that's achievable. And and whenever you read perfection in the Bible, that's a word very similar to maturity. It's things that are made perfect are things that are made, they're made mature. They've been, you know, honed. They've been uh, uh, refined. You know, those are some of those words. Whenever you hear perfected, it simply means you're in the pur- purest form of who you are. You know, that's that's a very admirable thing to aim at. And it's something that we shouldn't allow the devil to you know, beat us down that we'll never achieve these things. Again, if you're beloved of God, if you're beloved of, you know, your your family that is in Christ, the family of God, if that belovedness, that relationship, that intimacy is there in people and the Father cares that much about you, then it's very possible that you can finish this thing well. You can finish your life well. That is a very um, steady and trustworthy thing to put your faith in. So there's this God who works in you both to will and to work or to do his good pleasure. Verse 14, so then what's his good pleasure? Do all things without grumbling or disputing, or you could say, or complaining or, you know, rejecting. Disputing is like someone says, you know, go do this. You say, well, I'm not doing that. I don't think I should do that. I don't have enough energy to do that. Well, you're disputing what's been said. You've come at it from a place where you're trying to shake off responsibility. Disputing comes from a lack of responsibility. It comes from a lack of, you know, wanting to actually own the decision that was made. If I'm going to dis- dispute something, it's because I disagree. I don't think that was fair, or I don't think that was honest, or whatever. That's that's where that disputing comes in. It's not trusting who or what the thing was. It's like when he says do all things, that means if I'm, whether I'm going to work, grumbling or complaining or disputing, 
You know, that means I'm not going into work just complaining about the traffic was horrible. It's a horrible day outside. The weather stinks. My back hurts. My feet hurt. All of those things very well might be a reality that I'm faced with, might be something I'm having to work through. But that doesn't mean that I should be projecting that and saying that out of my mouth, because then I am yielding again to the spirit of this age. And the spirit of this age is self-righteous in all its ways. It, it is not willing to take responsibility. It's very, tr- it's a trickster. You know, again, what is the spirit of the sage? How do people act? Disputing, complaining, grumbling, upset, dishonorable, no honor, no responsibility, no integrity, right? Those things which God wants us to live in, the world and the way that society and culture is pushing is constantly pushing away. You can see it. You open up Facebook, Twitter, anything especially a trending page on the news. How much of the news is just complaining about the politics? You know, we'll have, you know, if you ever watch any news program, they'll have an expert on and all that expert does is just they're an expert at complaining. Well, this is the problem with the da 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 da. The problem with the the government is this person has not done what they said they were supposed to do and that creates a da 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 and a da 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 and da 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 and then you go into churches and then the the people are up there going, "Well, the problem with the church is da 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 and you see this grumbling this complaining. And we're all, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've never, I have very much, you know, even actually even earlier today, I complained because I tweaked my back a little bit doing some uh, landscaping. And so I, I was complaining about how my back hurt. And mom was like, Sam, why, why are you letting that come out of your mouth? Why is that the, you've consistently been talking about that be careful with your words. Why? Because that grumbling and that complaining, is just con- it's contagious. And it's something we all have to be on guard on. We all have to hold ourselves accountable. Again, that goes back to the very beginning. You are working out your salvation with fear and with trembling. In other words, in humility, realizing that I haven't got it all figured out. And even if I understand something, getting that fully flushed out in my life where it is like second nature and I don't have to think about it, That takes a little bit of work. It takes delight. It takes discipline. It takes time spent. You know, I mean, it's some of these things, they take a little bit more time. And that doesn't mean it's less valuable, more difficult, less difficult. It's just some things because it's relational. You know, relationship requires, you know, things to be proven and trust to be made. Um, You know, and, and think about it this way. Whenever a relationship is started, there is this trust that is there naturally, but if a mistake is made or a, something that is done that affects a person in, in that relationship, that trust can be broken. And when it's broken, it takes time to heal, right? It takes there, there has to be there has to be a reproving. There has to be a, a, a something proven that okay, you're trustworthy now, you know. And and it, there's no mistake in that because that's a relational dynamic. So if we look at our relationship with the Father and you might say, well, God, why haven't I experienced this yet? God, why has this not happened in my life yet? God, I have been, you know, and yet at the same time, we've been incredibly trust untrustworthy. Why would God trust us if we have not proven ourselves? Again, not that it's through proving myself to God, but it is an aspect of the relationship. You know, would you just trust someone who's been completely reckless, has 20 tickets 
on their record, has had their license suspended, taken, and then they've forged another license. Are you going to give them your brand new Lamborghini or a brand new Aston Martin McLaren hot rod car or a brand new Cadillac? Are you are you going to give them the keys to that car and just be like, oh, here you go, like no problem, no worries? Or is there something that is there that, man, that needs to be maybe worked out. I, I need to see that you can drive this without destroying it. It's the same thing. It doesn't mean that God's against us, but it means God is fair and he's not going to be unfair. He's not he's going to take care of the things that are his. Why? Cuz love protects, right? That means God protects those who are his and that which is his. That's a that's a wonderful aspect because we know God's trustworthy. He can be trusted. And as we spend more time with him, those aspects of trustworthiness become a part of who we are. The more we let the Bible, we read scriptures like this, we we invest time to, to pray in the Holy Spirit, to pray, right? Because Jude says, pray in the Spirit, building yourself up in your most holy faith, right? We spend time praying in the Spirit. We spend time fasting, reading the Word, right? All the things that we know that we can do that can exercise our spiritual muscles, those things can build trust. And that trust, as it's built, again, becomes more fortified. Uh, Peter, I believe, talks about faith proven, tested and proven. It's more valuable than gold, right? So that it's there's things that can become proven and, and established in our lives. And again, God is the one who's starting all of it. So as we yield to him and trust him, right, with fear and with trembling, <laughs> again, and that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Well, does that mean I'm just scared of God with fear and trembling? It means I honor God. You know, if you were going against coming up to and you're you're entering into a place where the king of just a country is there's protocol there's ways that you approach the throne there's words you just don't say you don't just come into the throne room of a king and just start complaining and just blasting the king you're a horrible king I get, you're going to be dead on the spot the guards i mean everyone in there you're going to be you're no you're going to be no more you will be back out, you know, it's it's not going to be pretty for you. Why? Because there's a level of honor, there's a level of reverence that is just expected when dealing with someone of that caliber and that authority. Now, level that up about 10 billion times and you're looking at how powerful the creator of all is. When you approach the Father, yes, we can approach him and we should boldly approach because of the blood of Jesus. That being said, let's be respectful fear and trembling. In other words, realize who you're talking to. Realize who we're speaking to. We're not just speaking to Joe next door. We're talking to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, ruler, creator of everything that was ever. The intricacies of creation and science was formed by the Father. He made it. He created it. So just in sheer intelligence alone, that's pretty intimidating. Just scientifically, everything that's ever been discovered scientifically, right? God, it's been that way since the beginning of time. The laws and physics that things have just recently been discovered, even with technology, those realities and things that are being discovered and figured out, God has, that's all been in place since before time began. So that's a little bit, it's it's a little bit sobering. And so that when he says with fear and trembling, it's that, it's that holy fear of God, that reverence of God. The Bible does say this, that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So if we want wisdom, 
we have to fear God. We have to have God be the first and foremost in our lives. It's just the reality. It's the way it is. I didn't make the rules. I didn't make creation. God did. So let's reverence him and let's put him first and keep that place. So when fear and trembling is mentioned there, that's that's the a, a lot of, I'm not going to say that's everything, but that's a lot of the context of what's being said in that statement. And he says this continuing as I kind of wrap this one up today. Without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, right? As we act like the Father, because the Father is blameless, he's innocent. Without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you, among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, we're dealing with the twisted crookedness, the pervertedness, the tricks. That's what we're dealing with. That's the the main enemy of our souls and of our hearts as we live in a world that is twisted. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of lies and scandals. Those things try to infect in our hearts. Again, you look at the news and how much is coming out, right? He says there's this complaining, right? This grumbling. That's perversion. That's because what should be going purely and rightly has not been going the way it should. So there's this confusion that's created. That confusion, if dwelt on and, and focused on, breeds this grumbling, this complaining out of the mouth. And when it starts coming out of the mouth, things start changing in the atmosphere. Things start changing in your home. Things start changing in your relationships. You know, and no one wants to be around someone who's negative all the time. So it's important that we keep these things true in our hearts first and foremost and don't allow just the spirit of the age the times the ways that uh you just it's just everywhere the the soup of media it's important that we we are careful to protect these things in our heart and in our soul because we're stewards of the body that God gave us again like verse 13 says for God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure in other words God started your life he started your life whenever you were born naturally and if you've been born again, he started that thing a brand new with, with a new birth in Christ. So let him finish that in your life. Let him be the, the end goal that you're aimed at. Let the Holy Spirit guide you through and teach you these things and, and help and let the relationship with God reveal who Christ is because as Christ is revealed, who you were made to be will be revealed more to you as well. So that's all I had for today. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had a little bit of phlegm in my throat. I do apologize for that. But this has been a, a wonderful conversation. Again, if you want to get in contact with me, please check the description of the podcast. All the information there is available. There is website links. There is um, social media links. Also, if you feel like leaving a review on the podcast, a review does help this get out to more people depending on what platform you're listening on. So that is much appreciated. We do love you guys very, very much. Um, I'm so thankful that you made it to the end of this podcast. I appreciate it. Um, These conversations, again, are always a blessing. And I want you to know that God loves you. He wants you prospering in your life. He wants you standing tall, conquering, able to have the reins and the control over your actions. Self-control is a gift of the Spirit. It's something God wants you to have. He wants you to be able to have a grip on what's going on in your life, because when he has a grip of you, you then can have a grip on what's going on in your life. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.